Before I uh, turn to Galatians, I uh, just want to make uh, a few comments about uh, mothers and uh, and Mother's Day. Um, my my wife and I were reading from Psalm 112 uh, this week, uh, one day, and uh, there's the end of Psalm. Uh, 112, uh, there's an interesting verse about mothers. It says, He maketh the barren woman to keep house. How many of you mothers are so excited about keeping house? It's part of your mothering. And, and this is the phrase that I want us to catch. And to be a joyful mother of children. Um, you know, I, I recognize, as I remember my mother and Edna and other mothers that I have observed, that there's, there is a relentless role and responsibility that is part of being a mother, 24-7 kind of thing. And uh, what enables a, a mother to be joyful in her mothering? I think if, if you mothers want to, uh, want to uh, uh, make an impression uh, of the importance of mothering, uh, is, is that you be joyful in your mothering, uh, not just a, a something burdensome. But what does it take to be a joyful mother of children? Uh, I, I, uh, I know something of what it uh, what it takes or what, uh, uh, what I need when it comes to preaching uh, and the role of fathering. And uh, I, I need the grace of God, the enabling grace of God, and I need the, the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe that in order to be a joyful mother of children, you need the same thing. Uh, you can't do it. On, on your own strengths. I uh, just wanted to encourage you with that. Uh, I, I also remember how that uh, in, uh, in my years in Northwestern Ontario, uh, how often I preached on, on Mother's Day. And, and uh, I, I, uh, I felt uh, the need to uh, sort of give it all I got kind of thing when it comes to preaching to mothers and the role of mothering. And I finally uh, realized that our, the, the single ladies that were sitting in the congregation, uh, I've, I've sensed that they resented my Mother's Day sermons until I began to recognize and, and uh, emphasize the fact that, that the... Uh, the, the major role of mothers is to, is to be nurturers and uh, began to emphasize the fact that, that uh, uh, single ladies can also be fulfilled in nurturing others. And uh, so I just want to encourage you uh, in relation to that. Well, I'm going to be turning to uh, Galatians chapter two, uh, chapter three, this morning. Uh, in uh, in our journey through the the book of Galatians, and uh, as I consider uh, Galatians chapter three and four, especially uh, the, uh, the the message of of these two chapters, especially. Uh, reminds me of um, uh, the, uh, the river uh, that is described in Ezekiel chapter 47 uh, that where uh, the, the, the man, the man dressed in white, who I, I assume uh, was represented an angelic being, was showing Ezekiel a stream of water that came out of the threshold of the temple and, and began to form a river that flowed east down to the, sea, to the Dead Sea. 
And, uh, and so the, the man in white took Ezekiel into the river, and uh, from where the, the water flowed out from underneath the threshold of the temple, uh, he uh, he's began to measure uh, a thousand cubits, and he, he measured a thousand cubits, and then the water came up to the ankles, and he measured a thousand, another thousand cubits, and the, and the water came up to the knees, and he measured another thousand cubits, and the water came up to the waist, and after uh, uh, another thousand cubits, I uh, couldn't touch the bottom anymore. And, uh, and, and so they were, they were floating down the, this river. And uh, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know, I don't know if Ezekiel could swim or not, but uh, as they were uh, floating down like a, like a bobber in water down this river where they couldn't touch water anymore, the, the uh, angelic being turned to Ezekiel and said, uh, Son of man, have you seen this? What did he mean? Well, I'm not sure what he meant. Um, are you wet? <laughs> uh, are, are you helpless? Uh, Son of man, have you seen this? Uh, well, what, uh, what impresses me is the fact that um, and then the angel, of the, the angel, the angelic being, um, took Ezekiel and took him out of the river. I don't know if he grabbed him by the scuff of his neck and, and, and placed him on, on shore. But uh, uh, this reminds me of these two chapters where, where, where the, the water in, is getting deeper. And uh, uh, I feel like when I am uh, entering into preaching on chapter 3 and 4 here out of Galatians that I'm in over my head. And uh, I, uh, I recognize that um, uh, I have difficulty understanding all, understanding all that Paul is saying here in Galatians chapter uh, 3. Well... Um, so we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Uh, here in chapter 3, Paul begins to refute and correct the, uh, the message and the teachings of the Judaizers who were teaching that faith in Christ was not sufficient to bring one into right standing with God. You also needed to be circumcised and you need to obey the law that God delivered to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. Uh, and so, uh, again, I, I admit to you that I find Paul's arguments, if I can call them that, here in, in these chapters, uh, uh, in refuting these erroneous teachings to be more complex than I can totally grasp uh, and, and, and fully explain. But I'm going to work my way through chapter 3 this morning, uh, section by section, portion by portion. Uh, and uh, instead of reading all of chapter 3, I'm going to read it section by section as we come to it. So would you turn with me to uh, Galatians chapter 3? And I'd like to begin by uh, reading the first five verses. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should, obey, should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ, through, who, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently uh, set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it is in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law? <coughs> Excuse me or by the hearing of faith. Um, what I find uh, Paul is doing in uh, Galatians chapter 3 is uh, 
Paul is uh, uh, appealing to the Galatian believers to reconsider their acceptance of the erroneous teachings of the Judaizers. He did so in three ways. Um, he, he appealed to them in three ways. And uh, in this first section uh, that I just read, Paul appeals to, to them, he appeals to their personal experience uh, when they first received the gospel through uh, Paul and Barnabas in their first missionary journey into Asia Minor. Uh, note how Paul uh, begins this section. He says, O oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Verse 1. Here I find Paul expresses his astonishment at how quickly and subtly uh, these, they were uh, moved away from the truth of the gospel. In, uh, in, and so he said, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Um, in Romans chapter 16, verse 18, Paul explains how false teachers draw people away from the truth. He says, by good words and fair speeches, they, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, simple here means without guile, unsuspecting. Um, those who are very trusting of what people tell them. Uh, without examining it carefully, uh, those can be easily deceived by uh, these kind of uh, false teachers. Oh, foolish Galatians. When Paul calls them foolish, he wasn't doing what Jesus said we shouldn't do in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, when he says, you should not call anybody a fool. Uh, because if you do, you'll, you're standing in, uh, you're going to be standing in the judgment of God. And so, uh, the, so, but Paul is not calling them fools. He calls them foolish. <coughs> and, the, and the word Paul uses here for foolish is unwise. Oh, unwise, oh, unwise uh, Galatians, thank you. Who has bewitched you? Uh, in other words, you accepted what the Judaizers told you without examining it carefully, without thinking it through uh, to its logical conclusion. It means they put their minds out of, uh, out of gear and responded to their smooth arguments. It felt right. Um, and so you responded with your emotions without understanding the implications. You made a thoughtless, mindless decision to accept what they had to say. So he called them unwise. Um, now, I, I recognize that um, many of us, myself included, sort of have a naturally lazy mind. Can you identify with that? Um, and uh, furthermore, we tend to think there is something virtuous about believing uh, a spiritual truth without understanding it. Uh, yet Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that he that is spiritual is one who with the aid of the Holy Spirit searches out all things, yes, even the deep things of God. I believe it's important that to carefully evaluate things that we hear. Where will, it, where will we end up if we follow this line of reasoning? We need to be very careful and examine it carefully. 
Let's not be uh, foolish Galatians. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, do not be unwise, and here it uses the same word, do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So it's important that we understand uh, what we hear. Note secondly in, uh, in this verse, so the, so the, uh, in, uh, he, he, is, he is impressing upon the, in this first section, uh, he is uh, appealing to the Galatian believers, uh, he's appealing to their experience. Um, he, he is saying, secondly, that uh, the gospel was clearly set before you. Uh, he says that the central truth of the gospel has to do with what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. So Jesus was clearly set before them uh, in, when they first heard the gospel, and uh, the central uh, concept of the gospel has to do with the crucifixion of Christ and what he did for us at the cross of Calvary. Uh, not what you could do to earn your salvation. Um, Paul told the Corinthians in, in uh, chapter 2 of uh, 1 Corinthians, he, he's, he said to them that my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith may not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And furthermore, he said, I came, when I came to you, I sought to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so that is what he's reminding the, uh, these Galatian believers of uh, how they heard the gospel in the preaching of Christ and him crucified. So now, uh, beginning uh, here in verse uh, 2, Paul appeals to their personal experience by asking four penetrating questions. And he does so in rapid-fire sequence. The first question is, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The, uh, the second question is, have you begun in the spirit? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? This question seems to indicate that the Judaizers may have said something like this. Now, trusting in Jesus for your justification was okay as a starter. But if you really want to be, be perfect, you need to be circumcised and you need to keep the law. Uh, for, for Christian perfection, uh, you need some, the, the ceremony of circumcision uh, and the keeping of the law. The third question was, have you suffered so many things in vain? Here Paul is appealing to their experience of how they received the gospel. Paul could have meant one of two things in this question. Uh, first of all, he could have meant you suffered persecution for believing in Christ for your salvation. Does this not mean anything to you now? Or he could have meant this. You gave up so much in your life for the sake of Christ. Unlike, uh, like, like Paul says it in uh, Philippians uh, chapter uh, 3, uh, when, uh, when, when Paul said, uh, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. And yet doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own right, my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Uh, I have counted all things but loss. I, uh, and it could be that Paul is saying here to them, you, uh, you did the same thing. You gave up so much uh, in, uh, in turning to Christ. Uh, and uh, so the fourth question is verse 5. Uh, and here Paul moves to their ongoing experience of the Christian life. Um, when, he, when he says, um, back to Galatians. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So uh, Paul is appealing to them through these uh, several uh, questions. Uh, and uh, there are two phrases that I would like to uh, uh, give a bit of exposition to uh, in this section. The first is the phrase, the, the works of the law. Uh, did you do these things through the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What are the works of the law? Um, Paul uses this phrase three times in verse 16, chapter 2, um, and two times in chapter 3, in verses 1 through 5, and again in, in verse 10 of chapter 3. What are the works of the law? Uh, this is an expression that is unique to Galatians. You won't find it anywhere else in the New Testament. At first glance, I interpreted this uh, phrase to mean the same thing that Paul meant in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, when he said, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, are these same, these, the, the works that Paul is talking about in Ephesians 2, the same thing that Paul is referring to as the works of the law. Well, it, uh, it seems to me uh, that when Paul here in Galatians, because of the context, when he's talking about the works of the law, uh, he is uh, referring to uh, the the, the, the works of a ceremonial nature that are found in the Old Testament uh, in the giving of the law. Such ceremonial uh, 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 works of ceremonial nature are such things as circumcision, uh, keeping certain feast days, not eating certain unclean animals, etc., etc. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, uh, Paul refers to, the, to the, uh, the laws related to food and drink or regarding, regarding Old Testament festivals or Jewish holy days. And he calls these a shadow of things to come. Uh, but, but the reality is, is in Christ. And so... Um, these works of the law are those shadows of things to come and not the, the genuine thing. And so uh, the, the, I feel that Paul, in, and especially in this very section in Galatians chapter 2, is referring to these things. The, the other question is, uh, what does it mean when he talks about the hearing of faith? Uh, it's used in chapter 3, verse 2 and 5 uh, here. And, 
And this uh, statement stands in contrast to the works of the law. Uh, by the hearing of faith or by the works of the law. I believe Paul here is referring, simply referring to response of faith as a result of having heard the gospel preached to them. He's simply referring to having faith in Christ. Uh, are these by the works of the law or they come as a result of your faith in Christ? Uh, as a result of embracing Jesus as your sin sacrifice. So the first thing that Paul does is appeal to their experience. The, uh, secondly, I find that Paul appeals to Abraham as an example of how one who was justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And that's in verses 6 through 14. And uh, I, I like to uh, read that section, verses 6 through 14. And I'm going to ask you to stand because I know that I've, I've been just sort of pounding away. Uh, and um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm being rather detailed here. And I know that that can put you to sleep. Uh, so, uh, uh, yes, uh, beginning in verse 6, verse 6 uh, through, uh, through 14. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, <clears throat> and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the, the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them or by them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the, promise, the promises made. He says not, and to seeds, but as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat> so here, uh, first of all, especially in these first uh, 14 verses, Paul appeals to Abraham as an example of one who was justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Uh, I can't prove this, but I believe that Paul is using the very arguments that the Judaizers uh, used uh, against Paul and Barnabas' message of the gospel. Um, Abraham was the most venerated patriarch of the Jewish people. It, uh, it's no doubt that the Judaizers used Abraham as an example, who was the first one ever to be circumcised and was justified as a result of it. That's what they declared, I believe. Uh, like I said, I can't prove this, but uh, I believe Paul is, is uh, countering the arguments of the Judaizers step by step uh, throughout uh, the, this passage of Scripture. Um, well, Paul proves the fallacy of their arguments in two ways. First of all, he quotes Genesis 15, 6, uh, which, is, uh, which, is, uh, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So Abraham is going back to Genesis chapter uh, 15 and verse 6. 
and uh, quotes this basic passage to prove that Abraham was justified by faith, not by the deeds of the law. Um, Romans chapter 4 is the companion passage to this passage here in Galatians chapter 3. And in, and in Romans chapter 4, uh, Paul makes the point very forcefully that Abraham was justified while he was still uncircumcised. It was in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 15 that the Apostle Paul, that, that Paul says that he was justified. Uh, he believed God. Uh, that night that he was out there looking uh, uh, in, into the, uh, the, uh, uh, the night sky, and uh, the Lord said, count these uh, stars, and uh, that's how many Nochomenschaft uh, uh, <laughs> you will have. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Abraham stood there and heard what God said and what God promised, and and uh, he, he, uh, he, you know, uh, it seemed that he was overwhelmed, and, and suddenly Abraham just sort of bursts out and says, I believe what you say. And just like that, uh, the, I believe the message came from God. You're, 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 you're made right. You're justified. Uh, and, and so Abraham believed God, what God said, what God promised, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And it wasn't until uh, uh, chapter 17, which was 12 to 14 years later, that Abraham was circumcised. So Paul makes the uh, powerful point that uh, uh, Abraham wasn't justified through circumcision, but by believing what God said. He was made right with God. Secondly, uh, Paul quotes that basic passage in Habakkuk, um, chapter 2 and verse 4, that says uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, justification is by faith. Um, and, uh, and so this, uh, this was now hundreds of years after Abraham was justified and later circumcised. Uh, the Old Testament still affirms and that sinful man is still made right with God by faith. The just shall live by faith. And Paul emphasizes that. Uh, and so Paul enlarges on these truths about being justified by faith and not by any ceremony or ritual of the law. And this is the, the gist of uh, verses 6 through 14, that sinful man was made right exclusively by faith, not by the works of the law. Well, then we have the, uh, the second section, are the, the, uh, the third section here in Galatians, where uh, now Paul appeals to Abraham as an example of one who was saved, made right with God. I'm using these terms uh, uh, meaning the same thing, to be saved, to be made right with God, to be justified, to be counted as righteous. All has to do with uh, this matter of, of coming into a right standing with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so now Paul appeals in this, in the third section, Paul appeals to Abraham uh, further as an example of one who was saved, made right with God by a promise and not by uh, a covenant he made with God or any other kind or, or any uh, ceremony related to that, such as circumcision. So uh, I'm going to read verses uh, 15 through 25 at this time. Do you want to stand again? Rather than I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it, is, if it be confirmed, 
no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Not to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He hath not, he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith, that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Uh, under a schoolmaster. Uh, you may be seated. Um, as, uh, as you just hear the reading of this section, you may uh, uh, agree with me that uh, the uh, thought pattern of the Apostle Paul uh, is different than ours. Uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, his thought patterns are not linear. He doesn't start with point A and then adds point B and then point C and, and arrives at, at a conclusion. But Paul's thought patterns are, are, are circular. Uh, he, uh, he, 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 he gives a, a, a concept and then he repeats the concept with using different, uh, different words, different ideas, and, and just sort of moves through this passage. And we're not used to that, so uh, it, uh, we, we struggle in understanding what Paul is, is uh, saying here. Uh, and that's why this morning I, I'm not necessarily uh, uh, giving exposition to, to every thought that is, is found in, uh, in these passages uh, from chapter 3, uh, or else you'd be here uh, all afternoon. But so uh, the, the main idea that, uh, that, that, that I find in this section, in this extended section, beginning at, uh, at verse um, uh, 15 all the way through 25, has to do with a promise. Um, did you notice how often the word promise is found in this portion. The, the word promise is found seven times in verses 14 through 22. Used also in verse 29, uh, noted uh, verse 29 of chapter 3. Um, and if, this is the last verse of the chapter, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. The word promise here is uh, prominent. It's used over and over again in this passage. Um, how many of you know how to receive a promise? Um, it's difficult to receive a promise. Um, is it complicated? How do, how do you receive a promise to yourself? Um, 
you know, when it comes to a promise, uh, a promise speaks of a gift. And, and so uh, uh, a promise, yes, a promise has to do with a gift. And how do you receive a gift? Do you say, reach in your billfold and say, here, let me... Um, Uh, sometimes during the summer after our garden starts producing, I stop at my neighbor's house, uh, two houses down, back in Charity Lane, and I, I bring him some things for, for, from my garden. And invariably he say, here, wait, let me pay you. And I finally say to him, if you want to pay for this, you can't have it. <laughs> but I'm just going to give it to you. How do you receive a gift? How do you receive a promise? You just sort of reach out and say, thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Well, here, Paul is saying that uh, the fact of the matter is that, that Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, uh, made a promise, God made a promise to Abraham, and, uh, and, and Abraham, in essence, sort of reached out finally and said, thank you. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll receive it. I'll believe it. I believe what you promised me. And, uh, and, 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 and Abraham, uh, it was accounted to God for righteousness, to Abraham for righteousness. That's how you receive a promise. And so Paul is relentless here in a sense in this passage, in these 10 verses, to show that, that Abraham did not receive the gift of his salvation. He did not, he was not made right with God by the works of the law or any other ceremonial process, but, but he, he was made right by receiving the promise. And I want to say to you this morning that John 3.16 contains a, a tremendous promise. Where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise. How do you receive it? He that believeth on him, <laughs> he who reaches out and says, I accept that, I, I trust you for it. You know, this whole matter, while... The <laughs> Some of, what we, some of what we're dealing with here in Galatians chapter 3 is, sounds very complicated, but, but folks, it's, it's not complicated. It's like receiving a promise. And it's, not, it's by saying yes to a promise and not through the works of the law. Uh, I hope that helps us to sort of uh, plow through some of the concepts here that uh, Paul is giving us here in Galatians chapter 3. Now, um, I have three minutes, and I want to go to the last several verses of Galatians chapter 3. Uh, and, uh, and it begins in verse 25. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bound nor free. There is neither male or female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I, I wish I could um, um, make you 
go home this weekend and read this last section every day over and over again. Um, when Paul here uh, says, the way he finishes off chapter 3 uh, is so enriching. Uh, it's so powerful. Uh, it's going to be hard for me just to explain it in a few words. But uh, uh, let, me, uh, let me just say this. Um, that the grand concluding spiritual reality of being justified by faith rather than by the works of the law uh, uh, allows us to experience four or five things that uh, Paul uh, tells us about here. First of all, it produces a sense of sonship in the life of those that believe. That's verse 26. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The term children of God really refers to us being the sons of God. Ye are all the sons of God through Christ Jesus by faith in him. It produces uh, coming to God through the atoning sacrifice of Christ, makes us acceptable to God, and it produces a sense of sonship in the life of those that believe. When we don't have this sense of sonship, we wrestle with the assurance of our salvation. We need this sense of being sons of God. So uh, our faith in Jesus produces a sense of sonship in us. Secondly, all those who are made right with God are baptized into Jesus Christ. That's what he says in verse 27. They have put on Christ. Um, this uh, this, this uh, uh, is, uh, is mind-boggling. The, the ramifications of, uh, of being baptized into Jesus Christ and to belong to Jesus Christ is not something to sniff at. It's, a, it's a, an enormous privilege when we sense that we belong to Jesus, that we have put on Christ, as he says here. Again, it gives us a sense of sonship and gives us the assurance of our salvation. The, uh, the third thing that Paul says here is that uh, because we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law, we are all one. We are equals in Jesus Christ. That's verse 28. Uh, there are no class distinctions among us. So if justification would be of personal, through, through personal achievement, there would of necessity be many different class distinctions among us uh, in, in, the, in the, uh, the church of God. Many divisions according to how well you have done, how well you have kept the law. There would be pride and prejudice uh, in, in the, the fellowship of the church. But Paul says because we all came and received the promise, we received it as a gift. Uh, we received it as uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Then, therefore, there are no different levels of Christians. There are no class distinctions. Uh, uh, we are all one in Jesus Christ. Um, 
And, and then fourthly, uh, he ends up by uh, uh, indicating uh, in, in verse 29 that uh, um, if we are Christ, then are we Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. We are recipients, may I say, that we're the recipients of what he, in this passage, in this uh, chapter, calls the, 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 the blessing, we have received the blessing of Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham? Um, and again, bearing, being recipients of the blessing of Abraham means that we belong to Christ. We belong to him. Uh, we are heirs according to promise. Uh, we have a grand inheritance awaiting for us. Uh, Romans chapter 8 would say we're heirs and joined heirs with Christ. And this is mind-boggling in, in, in its reality. And so I would encourage you again to contemplate these four spiritual realities that Paul refers to at the end of chapter 3 when you are discouraged and need a spiritual shot in the arm. Contemplate them deeply for yourself. They are true for you if you are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. God bless you and thank you for enduring unto the end. Would you stand with me? Lord, I want to thank you for this passage of scripture. Lord, though are, there are many things in here that uh, are difficult to grasp, yet I want to thank you that uh, uh, there are rich spiritual truth here that uh, can deeply enrich our lives. And I pray that it, they may do so <clears throat> especially as we contemplate <clears throat> these last several verses here in this chapter. I pray that you would drive deeply into our hearts the reality and the truth of these four things. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.